feeling you got when you saw him? There was this, uh, just this really genuine guy who was, uh, you know, a real artist and was so um, excited to have this project finally come, come into fruition and, and to see everybody together and, and um, you know, just very supportive, very grateful that it was, it was coming to, you know, so, so yeah, he's, he's just, he's lovely. And so I hope in that way, you hope it's a success when you meet this, a new time director and you think, oh, what a great guy. I hope he's, you know, I hope he's got a big career in this business. to start this my voice is just kind of <laughs> hey everybody welcome to a brand new episode of uh not to bomb <clears throat> just full disclosure my voice is crap tonight uh i'm not sick you think because you turned 50 you get like two weeks of a celebration you selfish bastard it was not i had no <laughs> idea i thought you guys were coming over the weekend and that was it and we had a great four days it was amazing we recorded an episode i thought everything went back to normal I was not, I, I mean, I was just shocked to, to see all the people that uh, showed up the following weekend and, uh, the shindig we had on, on Sunday night was epic and, and Sammy flew out again, uh, which was crazy. Um, but yeah, I lost, I lost my voice to, uh, the band that was hired, uh, who apparently was singing everything that I have on my uh, playlist on my phone all 80s music. Uh, it was awesome. I loved it. So well, I happy birthday, there. buddy. Thank you. It's over. No, no more happy I birthday. I know. It's just, <clears throat> that's, that's why I, I don't have a voice. So you just gonna have to, you're gonna have to bear with it. But the good news is we got Sammy back on the show. How are you, sir? Hello. <laughs> wow. Hello, baby. I was feeling a little bit like I was in the land of tomorrow, the uh, the proverbial world of tomorrow there. So I thought I'd come in a little, little weird. Um, oh, special I'm effects, good, man. I'm still playing a little catch up. I I have my voice. I didn't sing as much as Troy. I was present to watch Troy sing a lot of songs. Yeah, I, I felt like there was a moment. I was the only one up there just. Well, Belting. I mean, it was the equivalent of a four-hour concert. It, it was, was, they uh, played for was, four hours. It was crazy. <laughs> like, it got to the point, I'm not lying to you, I love you to death, I'm so happy you had a good time, but it got to the point where we were all looking at each other like, are they ever going to stop? <laughs> no, they started at, uh, I don't know, I thought I was running errands, next thing you know, I show up at the State Theater, and everybody's there, yeah. and uh, then somebody, somebody was, I'm talking to some random guy, and I'm like, who are you? He's like, we're the band. I'm like, we have a band <laughs> yeah no they were super nice guys they were super personable and super nice guys too and uh for those i just want to make sure i come on here and apologize to all the not a bomb listeners that aren't gGtmc listeners i am partially responsible for the show being a day late so i, I was I at that party no it's all me i even if we wanted to record last night we couldn't because i this is me <laughs> sounding better 10 times better than yesterday yesterday i was whispering everything <laughs> There was a lot of yingling consumed on my end. Yeah, and, and that band, I was doing Jameson shots with them all night, and uh, yes, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it got it got crazy, but yeah, four so you're hours. Fifty. 
When I saw, when I saw the shot, every every time I see the shot glasses come out, I tend to walk the other way. Because oh hey, look at that over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this fifty year old was headbanging to Iron Maiden, the Trooper, yeah. like like I was fourteen <laughs> again. It was awesome. It was it was great. It was great. Uh, that that had to be the best party I've ever been to in my entire life. I'm I'm not bragging about it. I just I've never had that much fun before. It was amazing. Brad, you were sorely missed though. Yeah, you were. Sorely. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The food was delicious, except that I have to say I grabbed a whole spoonful of raw horseradish, thinking it was horseradish <laughs> sauce. Oh, I took a bite, <laughs> and man, let me tell you, everybody at the table, me, Jose, Scooter, my wife, and my kids, all thought I was getting ready to go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> We had we, that moment. we had catering from Chaps, Brad. It was awesome. It was oh, good. you son of a bitch! <laughs> pit beef, we, pit we, turkey. I don't know. Hair. I don't know how far we should go on this story to Brad. I think we yeah, should probably stop right there. Okay. Well, let's talk about what we're here to talk about, which is movies, right? Movies that bombed uh, at the theater tonight. We're talking um, your pick, Brad. Episode one hundred three. What What did you choose for this evening? Yeah, tonight we are going all the way back to two thousand four. And we are doing Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, a uh, diesel punk movie. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> we'll get into that here in a minute. Mm. Um, I don't was, think I've ever heard the term diesel punk. Yes. Yeah, uh, is is this a first time watch for anybody? I, I think we've all seen it before. Right? Oh no, I saw this in the theater. Oh nice, I oh, didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on DVD the first time. You were one of the five that saw it in the theater, dude. Yes, <laughs> I. If it came out in two thousand to two thousand. 14 i saw it in theater okay nice nice i didn't really discover this until uh dvd well no i take that back it was one of the first hd dvds that i bought oh really yeah so um because that was that was one of the the movies that was coming out in the beginning so when i had an hd dvd player i got all excited about buying this one uh and i think that's the first time i saw it yeah probably saw it and maybe if you were lucky maybe you got 1080i on that one yeah, I think Ooh, so. Interlaced. Looks, yeah. looks good. Looks good. Maybe 720p. Ooh. Yeah. I'm speaking, I'm speaking the language of love here. <laughs> <laughs> the early days of HD, man. Man, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting a little uh, stiff here. Okay. Um, well, we always start with the numbers and how this thing performed when it came out. So, Brad, take it from here. When, when Sky Captain came out, what was going on? Yeah, so Sky Captain is released September 17th of 2004. And guys, I have a treat for us when I tell you about the movies that came out during this time. I have a treat. It's a treat. Um, With a reported budget of $70 million, Mm -hmm. but our boy, Kerry Conrad, uh, is saying that's bullshit, but we're going off of that because that's what is reported. Oh, Um, that's right. He, uh, He made a big stink about that budget, didn't he? Yeah, he said that there's no way it was that. Of course, he's a biased individual because, you know, he has essentially one film on his filmography and it's listed as a bomb. So if he says, no, it was actually $20 million, it looks like a success. Yeah, let's talk about this real quick. So in 2015, in an interview, he said, I take great issue with the budget figure personally, and I'd like someone to show me where all that money went. I don't support those numbers and I never have. We walked into John Avnet's office that first day. And he said, what do you want for the production? And we said $3 million. <laughs> we could have done a version of this film for $3 million. It would have been black and white and sans name actors. 
But even still, this whole thing was going to be under 20 million. How it went from 20 to 70, you tell me. Seeing if I can find another sound effect. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. You know, he is a, he has an inherent, as we say in the industry, conflict of interest when it comes to speaking to the budget of this film. So you can't take his word for everything because, again, he's got a big bomb on his resume. But, you know, I, I could, I don't know, 70 million seems like a lot for this movie. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, um, um, I think that, and then I think, I mean, this is a ton of blue screen work. I think, honestly, somewhere between forty and seventy sounds about right. You really yeah. think so? When was, uh, when look, was, when was look, uh, Sin Santa City? Hannah? Sin City was forty million dollars a year after this. Well, yeah, there you go. And but Sin City, in a lot of ways, to me, feels cheaper. It's a better film, but it feels. Oh cheaper of course rodriguez is notoriously cheap anyway yes yes so i don't know maybe maybe i don't, I don't want to speak for carrie because i feel kind of bad for this guy um in a way he, he got I'll, to make his passion project and then <laughs> everybody pooped on it and he disappeared <laughs> yep. yeah uh so anyway um box office return we have a domestic return of uh 37.7 million dollars and an international gross of 20.1 Eight four, which rounds to about uh, almost fifty eight million dollars um, total. So I see um, why he would say thirty million. Yeah, 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 because it looks like a success. There you go. Okay, all right, there you go. One of the um, interesting things is, is this movie opened up number one at the box office um, for the weekend of September seventeenth. Um, it opens with fifteen point five million dollars. Um, which is good enough for first, like I said, beating out things like Mr. 3000. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I love me some baseball movies, but. Uh, but yeah, that one's bad. That, that one's not one bad. of them. Uh, Apocalypse, or I'm sorry, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Dang. Wimbledon, Cellular, Without a Paddle, Hero, Napoleon Dynamite, Collateral, and The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement, round out the top 10. Well, I would have um, I would have seen Collateral and Hero. I, yes. I think I've seen most of those films except Princess Diaries, which I'm, I'm well, kind of ashamed. I've seen of. them all, but I would have seen those two in theaters. Oh, yeah, I would have seen a lot of those in theaters, but I didn't see Sky Captain in the theaters. Oh, ah, okay. I was probably Weirdly. back watching Hero again for like the fifth time. Yes, probably so. I think um, I did take somebody else to see Hero because I was like, you got to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Hero was awesome. Hero was awesome. Was and is, yes. Yes, still is. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. Interesting uh, little breakdown here. Critics have it at 70%, uh, which is fresh. Audience score 46% with over 100,000 reviews. Wow. Um, yes. Wow. wow. I but, didn't really know this film was that popular amongst even the internet folks. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, w- I was shocked by how many. But we only care about one review oh give it to me brad give it and to that me. is the movie guide review that's right if you're not familiar with movie guide it is a christian website that reviews movies for their christian content um here's <laughs> oh. the breakdown of sky captain in the world of tomorrow they give it four categories language violence sex nudity okay language and violence are both lights sex mm-hmm. and nudity um is none 
So this one gets a negative one still for some negative reason. one. I don't know. I don't know why it's a negative one. Is it because it has dinosaurs and we all know dinosaurs didn't exist in Eden? That, that might've been. Okay. Um, but here's like, the con. Go I, ahead. I feel like this movie's interlaced with sexuality all over the place. It's so phallic of a film. It's ridiculous. Yes. There's, <laughs> yes. Well, they wouldn't pick up on that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. They'd pick up on the dinosaurs. Not existing yeah. They're like, no, dinosaurs did not exist. <laughs> Okay, we have a moral, uh, redemptive worldview with bravery and good versus evil, with light capitalist worldview where technology is bringing a better world, some pagan synchronism, four obscenities, two profanities, and one particular lewd comment. 1930s style comic book violence between <laughs> humans and robots, three people in bed together with no sex applied implied sorry <laughs> implied implied oh, i mean however you however you want to look at it yeah. <laughs> but suggested infidelity mm-hmm. implied nudity and mild lying and cheating wait wait wait. how do you imply nudity is it that I, they were naked under the covers or just they could that I, I, think, me I mean she does say where are our clothes ah it, okay implied yeah. nudity got it implied yes yes although i would have really went for some applied nudity Mm. <laughs> would you re- apply apply that nudity <laughs> okay here it goes guys this is when i saw this i got so excited so films you could have seen september of 2004 we have things like paparazzi um wicker oh. park huh? cellular like we've already talked about mm. is wicker Resident- park is wicker park the keanu reeves movie i believe it is yep um, i never saw that no, Wicker Part has Josh Hartnett. Okay, okay, maybe it's a, is it a rom com? I why? What am I thinking? Because I I thought it was a Keanu Reeves one too. What's the Keanu Reeves one? Rose Byrne, Matthew Lillard, Diane Kruger. Is it a serial killer movie? Uh, it's a young Chicago advertising executive believes a woman he sees in a cafe is his long lost love. His belief leads to obsession as he puts his life on hold to order. To trail her. I don't know what that was. Okay. You right. trailed off there, buddy. Yeah. Not, not, um, the, not the biggest Josh Hartnett fan. I probably would have done that. Nope. Uh, okay. We have Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, nice. I oh, thought there you go. Yeah. Uh, I was at Mr. a Star Wars celebration this year, that month. Ooh, nice. Uh, we have something called Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon, we've talked about. Yep. Shark Tale. Shark Tale made $371 million, by the way. I, I own Shark Tale. Hmm. I do too. never watched it. Oh, God. Well, no, I, I have watched it, I should say. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, Shaun of the Dead also came out that month. Right. The Motorcycle Diaries and the big one. Not released in the theaters, but it's listed here as theatrical with a zillion with a zillion with a zero dollar return. Funky Monkey oh, released no. September no. 2004. No. Funky no. monkey. We can't get rid of this thing. <laughs> I thought I thought this this and Kung Fu Hustle were the two best movies I saw that month, but clearly Funky Monkey starring Fred Ward. I yes. waited 18 years to <laughs> to get together with a bunch of guys and watch a monkey movie, and that is eclipsed. <laughs> so those are your numbers and the films you could have seen during the time of Sky Captain's release. Yeah, that's crazy. I, you know, when you, I don't know what you guys think. I, I feel like it should have done better given that lineup. I mean, September is not a big 
movie month anyways i feel like it's a little bit of a dumping ground mm-hmm. but yeah yeah a little bit uh i mean it's you're coming off the summer blockbusters right so yeah. it's kind of like that you might get a late i mean kung fu hustles in there and i do feel like was it miramax that released that yes and it was it was a like pretty good hit too for him yeah yeah but i feel like they kind of dumped it because yeah, I feel like uh, earlier in the year they were trying to put it out kung fu hustle made over 100 million dollars yeah. it was like 102 or something like that it's one i showed landon he just wasn't really he wasn't really into that one. You got to be in the mood for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's great. I personally, I think it's yeah, man, I it's, one of my, it's one of my favorites. It's amazing. Um, well, let's let's talk about the people who made the film, like those behind the camera, in front of the camera. We'll start with Kerry Conran. So he's done a couple of shorts, right? Gumdrop um, was his most latest short, and uh, the short that inspired this film was called The World of Tomorrow. Uh huh. At one point, he was slated to direct John Carter of Mars when Paramount owned the rights to the project. That fell through. But yeah, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow is the only film that he's directed and written. So this this film is also written by him. Uh, Cinematography by Eric Atkins. Honestly, I looked at this guy's filmography, not a lot there. Very shorts, television episodes, films. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, nothing stands out. I thought this was interesting. Edited by Sabrina Plisko. She's done Charlotte's Web in 2006, The Smurfs in 2011, plus I think it's sequel. Uh, here you go, Sammy. Doctor Strange in 2016. I know you're oh, a big wow. fan of that film. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I like it better than I like the new one. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> uh, and most recently, Clifford the Big Red Dog in 2021. Ugh, yeah. Really? Really? That, that yeah. Rash. Yeah. Um, Q Jose gasping his love for that film behind the scenes right now. <laughs> but I mean, let's let's be honest. This is through and through a Carrie Conran project. Okay. And we'll we'll talk about it from the production and development side. Let's talk about some people in front of the camera. So mm-hmm. we'll talk with Gwyneth Paltrow as Polly Perkins. Now, about this time in her career, she was doing movies like View from the Top, Sylvia, Proof. Iron Man really didn't come along till 2008. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she was a big draw for the box no. office. No. Um, with her. I would say up to this point, probably her most famous role was in seven where. Yeah. 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 I'd say her probably really her most famous role up to this point was being Brad Pitt's wife or girlfriend or whatever he was at some point. Wasn't she his at some point or wasn't they? I think. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's. I'll say this: If you look at the filmography around this time period, she's working. She's working a lot, but I she's she's liked not. her. Yeah, I have liked her in things. I don't know if I have ever loved her in anything. I guess maybe Shakespeare in Love. Maybe I, I, I do think she's good in the Iron Man films. I will say that I do think she's yes. really good in those. Her best film is Contagion, where they cut her head open. Oh, uh, oh. she is pretty good in Contagion, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, 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 she's pretty good in that. She's okay. I've I've never hated her. I just she's not one that the minute I see her on a uh, a list of credits, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm excited. I want to see her. She's she's always been serviceable as an what actress. About, what about Matt Reeves' early film, The Paul Bird? Did you guys ever see that? Yeah, that would that wasn't too bad. That I liked too it. Bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I think she's kind of just she's literally par for the course. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, just my opinion, I I kind of put Jude Law in there too. I, I like Jude Law. I've never been a huge Jude Law fan, um, but he was really working a lot around this time period. So just in the year that Sky Captain came out in 2004, um, he came off Cold Mountain in 2003. He goes into the next year doing Sky Captain, I Heart Huckabees, Alfie, that remake, Closer, oh, yeah. 
the aviator and he does some voice work for a series of unfortunate events with, um, was that Jim Carrey? Yeah. Jim Carrey. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I love Jude law. Sometimes I don't like you. I, I have a really weird uh, relationship with him. By the way, Gwyneth Paltrow will turn 50 in September. I'm going to book my plane tickets now for that surprise. Party. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anytime it's not going to be as cool as mine. So I'm just telling it, you right it will now. not be. It will not be. There's yes. no way she likes the trooper. So, I so we could just call her goopy Paltrow from this Goop- moment on. Yes. And then we could. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's bring in Goop. her small business. in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one, which surprisingly gets top billing. So I think when the credits come out, she's listed as third. Mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie is Frankie. Uh, Tomb Raider, the sequel that she did, Cradle of Life, came out in 2003. This year, she does Taking Lives, uh, which is a pretty steamy thriller. Sky mm-hmm. Captain, Shark Tale, speaking of Shark Tale. Oh, wow. Um, the Fever, Alexander, another bomb that oh. we may talk about. Oh, man. And then the following year in 2005, she comes out with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So, oh, oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, we know what transpired there. <laughs> yeah. Couple couple other people to mention. Uh, they've been on the show before in terms of discussion, but uh, Giovanni Ribisi as Dex. We've talked about him before when we talked about the Postman. You were you on guys, that episode, Sammy. Yeah. Do you guys like Giovanni Ribisi? I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. I. They say Dex too much in this movie. That's one of my first complaints because <laughs> you know this guy's name is Dex from the moment. He's on screen. Yeah. Because they, they really say it every time. I don't know if I, I, as I'm getting older, I don't know if I like Giovanni Rubisi anymore. It feels like he's got only one gear. I I think so. But the parts that he chooses to use that one gear, I always think are pretty interesting. He is a good bubblegum chewer. We he can is. all agree with that. Yeah. Uh, he's got that down. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I don't I, like well, that in I, movies. I also do not like that. And I do not like the sound of. <laughs> Well, I'm curious of what you guys, so we talked a little bit about her when we talked about, um, now this is one of Brad's favorites, Southland Tales, when we, when we reviewed that film, but oh uh, uh, one of the villains in this film is Bai Ling as the mysterious woman. She's got this look to her, but I always feel like she's just, I don't know, a lot of crayons. <laughs> left out of the box when it comes what, to her. She just looks crazy. What are you trying to say? A yeah. few crayons short of a, a full box of crayons. Of I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> cra- oh boy. I think that's the smartest. She's not the brightest bulb. Is that what you're trying to say? I, I don't know if it's bright. I just, she has this eccentric performance that she brings all the time, yeah. even when she's not talking. And I don't know if I like it or it annoys me. She, uh, I don't really care for her, I don't think. But I will say she is striking to look at. I don't mean that I think she's gorgeous. I just mean that there's nobody that really looks like Bailing. Bailing. Yeah. She just, she's almost like an anime character come to life. Yes. That's a good way to describe her, for sure. She also has about 20 films coming out in the next two years. <laughs> she's looking, all over the place, man. She is, man. Patsy Lee and the Keepers of the Fine Kingdom. My mm-hmm. Redneck Neighbor. Ooh, Someone is that about us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's got a ton of work. I mean, I didn't know she's in this many films. 131 credits. Yeah, wow. it's and she that's has the thing. a film she called will, Exorcism at sixty thousand feet. She will Hell show yeah. up in something, and you'll automatically recognize her. And she just has the. She always has this performance that's off kilter, and I don't know if I like it or not. Even she, to this day, yeah. she's shooting a film right now called My Quarantine Romance with Toilet Paper. <laughs> that sounds exactly the type of movie she would pick. 
It really does. Yeah. Um, the last one I want to mention real quick, uh, and it's not really, you, you got to know it, right? So um, Lawrence Olivier, even though he passed, um, is in this film, and they're using his image for one of the main characters, Dar- uh, Dr. Totenkopf. So mm-hmm. um, outside of that, I don't think there's really much to talk about. I, I don't think like I, I don't think that's a cast that's going to bring a lot of people in, even in 2004. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, no, I think they were really trying to push Jude Law, but uh, I don't think he ever, because Cold Mountain was a pretty big push too, right? And that had Anthony Minghella directing it, and uh, me and my wife actually went to the theaters and saw that. Uh, I like that film. I think I only ever saw it once, but um, they were really trying to push him as a leading man. And I thought that 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 was I mean, I didn't think anything in this cast was going to draw people to the movie. theater. I remember thinking that at the time I was like, wow, nobody's going to see that. And then I would see the special effects in the trailer and I'm like, well, maybe some people will see that. I don't know. Yeah, I if they spent a lot of money on the cast, I I I think that was a misstep because I don't think that cast was going to I mean, Angelina Jolie might have been popular. But at third bill with 15 minutes of the film, is she really going to bring everybody in? Yeah. No, at this point, the only way she brings people in is nudity or some type of sex appeal, which she has a little bit here. Which she did in that other film that year, Taking Lives. Yes, yes. I mean, because in the beginning, she was very much the, you know, the, the quintessential hottie. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, even comparing it to something like Sin City, what Sin City has, Jessica Alba, Benicio Del Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen. Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Elijah Wood, all for $40 million. I would go see that cast a hundred times out of a hundred, as opposed to Jude Law, Goopy Paltrow, Angelina Jolie. So <laughs> I agree. Goopy. Well, I think also, I think, you know, Robert Rodriguez, he's whether you like him or not. And I know a lot of people don't care for his filmmaking style. He knows how to get coolness out of an actor. Yes. And, I mean, to me, he kind of revitalized Mickey Rourke for a little while with uh, that performance in that film. And even Bruce Willis is cool in that film. Not, not that mm-hmm. Bruce Willis needed any help being cool. He's been cool before, but he's cool in that film. Everybody's cool in that film in a lot of ways. And I don't think Kerry Conran is going to... I don't think when he was selling this to actors, I don't think cool was... I'll just say, I don't think this movie is a very cool movie. <laughs> no, I think Jude Law's trying to be cool in this movie. Trying, Ooh, yeah, I, like I a nineteen thirties mm, cool sort coming of off, coming off cold, dapper. Cool, yeah. yeah, I, I, I think he's he's trying to replicate a style of coolness. Um, but let's let's talk about development and production before, before we share our thoughts. We we had already talked about this, but I want to go into detail because I this is the, I love doing the podcast because there's always something I learn. So this week, here's what I learned. The film is an example of a Tensian diesel punk. Now, I'd never heard the term diesel punk before. I've heard of steampunk, but there is a difference. Okay. 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 So diesel punk is a retro futuristic subgenre of science fiction similar to steampunk or cyberpunk that combines the aesthetics of the diesel-based technology of the interwar period through to the 1950s with retro futuristic technology and postmodern sensibilities. 
I so, think I think like Fallout is considered more diesel punk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great example. So, okay. and here's here's like a big difference. So, steampunk is primarily set in the Victorian era, and diesel punk is set in the interwar period. And you you kind of talked about this already, Brad. For video games, there's Final Fantasy VII. It's considered oh. diesel punk. Yeah, yeah. Fallout. Yeah, Chocobos, Troy. Uh, I still, were those the chicken things? They're not yes. very, those, yes. those, those chocobos are not very diesel punk for the record. Okay. Um, and Bioshock are considered diesel punk. Does that mean, Ooh, okay. that, does that mean that the Mad Max series is considered diesel punk or is that? It does punk show punk? up in some list. So films, you've right. got Brazil, the Rocketeer, oh, yeah. Dark oh, yeah. City, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Uh, the Sky Crawlers, which is a Japanimation film. Yes. Sucker Punch. Iron Sky and the Mad Max films are kind of a post-apocalyptic diesel punk. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I never would. I, I mean, literally, you heard me say this when uh, Brad or which one, one of y'all said in the opening. I had never heard the term diesel punk before. I didn't either. Oh. I thought I thought, I thought steampunk was it. But no, there's diesel. I think punk. they actually refer to Tim Burton's 1989 Batman as diesel punk as well. Yeah, that's well, another example. That would make sense. So I obviously diesel punk and Art Deco. Mm hmm are closely related somehow yep because all these films too that we're talking about have a maybe except the mad max films i don't feel like those are very art deco but some of these films rocketeers definitely very art deco yeah it's that interwar period right between world yeah. war one world war two interesting interesting well yep. hey how about that i learned something there you go so carrie conran spent four years making a black and white teaser trailer in the style of an old-fashioned movie serial on his personal computer so that's the short that we kind of mentioned, um, Sky Captain, right? Uh -huh. Or no, it was called The World of Tomorrow. So if you have the Blu-ray or special edition, you can actually see this short. Conran and producer John Abnett spent two years working on the screenplay, which included numerous genre-related references and homages and developing a working relationship between the two. So they became friends. Um, John really liked this trailer and short and said, let's turn this into a movie. So uh, John, who's the producer, um, took the script in the trailer and began approaching actors. And in order to protect Carrie's vision, Abnett decided to shoot the movie independently with a lot of his own money. The producer realized that the very thing that made this film potentially so exciting um, for him and for the audience was the personal nature of it in the singular vision. So that's why he wanted to make sure that it wasn't developed within a studio setting. Uh -huh. Okay. Right. The entire movie, and this is very interesting to me, the entire movie was sketched out via hand-drawn storyboards and then recreated as computer-generated 3D animatics with all of the 2D background photographs digitally painted to resemble the 1939 setting. So in essence, they made this film as an animated film right out of the gate. Then so they made it twice essentially. No, no, no. That's the no. first time. The okay. second time, um, ten months before Conran made the movie with his actors, he shot it entirely with stand-ins in Los Angeles, and then created the whole movie in animatics so that the actors had an idea of what the film would look like and where to move on the soundstage. So he's kind of shot this thing three times by the time you get to Ju so he did the animated version of it. Then he went and found a bunch of stand-ins and shot it again. Then he shoots it with the actors. So what we see on screen is actually the third version of this film, more or less. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I'd always, when, for whatever reason, 
I had always thought 300 Sin City, all of that stuff had kind of come before this. Mm. But Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow has come to be considered a landmark in special effects as it was the first major motion picture to be shot completely on blue screen with computer generated backgrounds with the exception of two sets built due to time and budget constraints and is the film that brought this medium into vogue. So Sin City 300, The Spirit, were all influenced by Sky Captain. Now, a lot of people credit this as the first film to do that, but keep in mind, over in Japan, um, there's a film that's coming out the same time called Kashurn, um, and it's a Japanese tokusatsu superhero film, excuse me, <clears throat> that was shot entirely on a digital backlot. So in the year 2004, this technology comes to the forefront in the US and Japan, and so if you want to see another example of this type of film, um, you can always check out Kashurn. It's it's actually pretty good. I, don't know I like Kashurn a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Never seen it. it definitely check it out. I mean, if, if you like Sin City, if you like Sky Captain, Kashurn does the exact same thing. It's based on, um, is it a manga, Brad? Um, I can't remember if it, it's I, an animated, it's an anime series. So oh, an anime series. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So technically stuff like Star Wars Phantom Menace is not completely digital, right? So, cause they actually build sets. They that. have sets. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did, did digital backgrounds and behind that. So it was like 50, 50. And some of them are model, you know, model work and stuff too. Yeah. So this is technically, uh, this one in the Japanese film are technically the, the harbingers of all this. The yeah. 2004 is when this all starts. And then if you think about like Sin City 300, all of the things that come after it, it all started with this. Yeah, and cash. Yeah, because it's fully. Yeah. Okay. Has anyone seen uh, Immortal, that French film? No, I don't uh, think so. I think I have. Yeah, it's been a while for me, but it's uh, it's worth checking out as well. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, Sky Captain, if nothing else, regardless of what you think about the film, it's interesting to see it. Um, and I, I got to say this: the Blu-ray, specifically the HD DVD even has a lot of great commentary um, and special features. And you can see the short that inspired the film, but it is really cool from, you know, a film history perspective. This is the thing that brought that technology to the forefront and made it popular. So from 2004 on out, this is where blue screen and digital technology really start to come to the forefront and sets and everything else are seen as um, starting to fall to the wayside in exchange for this type of filming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Hollywood's chomping at the bit, right? Because they're hoping this really does take off because then they don't have to build sets anymore. Yeah. Location shooting, all that other stuff, which becomes very expensive with licensing and, you know, getting everything there to do the filming. Well, now if you can just do it on a lot. Um, yeah. And if you think about how they do things, even like the star Wars TV shows today, um, and the combination of practical sets with, you know, that the digital practical effects in the background, it's pretty freaking amazing, but, um, it, it kind of begins here in the mainstream. Yeah, it works best when there's practical and digital mixed. We, yeah. I think we all can agree with that, right? Well, yeah, it's, I think with this is, is one of the things that stands out is the lighting is so hard to do when you're on a blue screen. Um, the way light hits things and reflects and all that stuff. It's so hard to replicate that, especially in 2004. Now there's a lot of, I don't want to say you can just simulate a lot of that stuff, but it's a little bit easier now. But back in 2004, like you were having to like hand light things 
Um, and that's really difficult, especially when you have no reference of how the lighting is going to be in the shot. You're just standing against the blue screen. Um, that's why things sometimes look a little weird. Um, it's all because of the lighting and the human eye picks up on that because we know what light is supposed to do when it hits things, how it's supposed to cast shadows, all that. And in 2004, that's really hard to replicate or oh, even yeah. fix post-production. Now yeah. I think it's a little bit easier, but even then well, there, there are some yeah. movies that still looks wonky. Yeah. Video game technology has stepped up so much too. And there's a lot of lighting programs that mm-hmm. yes, ray tracing and everything else that they could probably make a pretty insane version. I believe like unreal five, that new engine, like pretty much does lighting. Yeah. Like, uh, like lighting, in real yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was watching the trailer for Immortal in the background while we're talking. I've not seen this. This movie looks insane. It's weird as shit, but it's it's insane. <laughs> now, Troy, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but my notes say there's over a thousand like digital effects for this movie yes. or digital shots or whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, didn't we say like Hellboy had like 850 or something like that? So this seems like it might be the most that we've done. Yeah, it it. This and again, <clears throat> when you when you look at this film, you have to understand this is the third version of it. So he has been refining the effects and the look of it because he shot it twice before. So you should have spent that time refining the script, but you know we'll get into that. Well, let's let's get into it. I'm really curious. So um, when we were doing the list, like one of the things we do behind the scenes is we we take a lot of recommendations because. I can't remember who submitted this one. And it was like, wow, that that's a, that's a great recommendation. It immediately mm-hmm. went on the list. And as we're, we're picking movies out, you had picked this one. And Sammy, when, when we gave you a list of films, you jumped on this one immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Sammy. This is, you know, another revisit of the film. Um, I know you're a fan of it, but having to sit back and watch it from like a critical perspective and talk about it, like how, how was the latest viewing? Well, I mean, it was interesting. I, I, I was a little concerned for those who uh, kind of give you guys a sneak peek at uh, our lifestyles behind this. There's a lot of texting. There's a lot of there's a lot of messaging going back and forth. A lot of a lot of interesting tidbits go back and forth, not just movie related for the record. A lot of things that if we ever wanted to sabotage any of our careers, we definitely yeah. have the ammo to do. None it. of us are running for office ever. No, we'll never run for office. And uh, if we ever go to trial, uh, we're going to get kicked right out. of trial. <laughs> None of us will turn on each other either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Anyway, um, so I was a little nervous because I knew how uh, Brad and Troy felt not to give anything away. But this is some of the things they said. So I was a little nervous going in. Came back from uh, Maryland Monday night, fired this puppy up, and uh, I thought this is probably a bad move. I just got off the road nine and a half hours ago, <laughs> you, know, did, you know, nine and a half hours from Maryland to uh, Kentucky. And I was like, man, uh, maybe not the best move, but I, I couldn't turn it off. Uh, I had to make myself turn it off to go to sleep for work. And that was the first hour, 10 minutes, hour, maybe 15, so 75 minutes in. So is that right when he gets to see Frankie, essentially? That, that's right around the time Frankie pops up into the okay. story. And then uh, we transfer from the Frankie part of the story, which is the Angelina Jolie character, uh, into this world of tomorrow aspect. And, uh, yeah, this is where the movie starts to take a dive for me. So what what's interesting about this movie, though, obviously – It's a little heavy-handed, but it's right there, right? They're showing the Wizard of Oz in the background. There's a lot of Wizard of Oz-type imagery in here. you got these flying bird-like robots that could be like the flying monkeys. 
Um, you got this world of tomorrow. That's kind of like this magical land, not any dinosaurs in Oz, not that I recall, but, uh, clearly some crazy wacky stuff going on here. And I, I have to believe that the guys that made up saw this film <laughs> in some way. Yeah. Cause you ever think about that? Like when oh, uh, yeah. as their character ends up in that other land, it's almost like the world of tomorrow in some weird way. I don't know if there's dinosaurs in that, but there's definitely, you know, some weird things going on there. Um, that just occurred to me just now. That's, that's weird. So I will say this. I know at least one person on the show does not like to look at this film at all. I will not mention any names. I'll let that person say who they are, but I do love the look of this film. I think it is actually quite gorgeous. It looks a little funky because the technology is not quite there, but I think the funkiness actually kind of works for it. Um, the biggest problem with this movie is it doesn't have a strong second act. It doesn't have a, well, maybe it's a third act. No, third act's not, well, no, it's a, maybe it's half of the second act and most of the third act. Up until that point, though, I'm totally down. You know, you got uh, World War II planes fighting giant robots. You got hooks. You got people doing flips. You got uh, people taking hard left turns, people flying through stuff like the Millennium Falcon. You got all kinds of stuff going on. And you got a little banter from Paltrow and Law, and I kind of, I'm, it's tacky, it's cheesy. I, I won't deny that, but I kind of enjoyed it in a lighthearted, fair kind of way. I like the mystery of it. I like the idea of these doctors on a hit list. Um, I like the idea of this shadowy bad guy, again, the wizard, essentially. And most of it works in that first half. But man, I tell you what, that next day I came home from work, I popped in and started watching the World of Tomorrow bits. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a film I can think of off the top of my head that takes a quicker or drops into a hole quicker <laughs> than this movie does. It kind of reminds me of what my biggest problem with uh, Peter Jackson's Kong was, and that was when it turned into Jurassic Park for a while. While technically it looked impressive and it was very cool, uh, I don't know if that ever needed to be in there in that original or in that remake of King Kong. I think it was just Jackson saying, "I'm going to do everything." Um, and this one really, I mean, it really, for me, grinded to a halt on that back end. So I, I, I will, I will say this. I came into this thinking, I love this film. I want to talk about this film. I came out of it thinking, I like this film. I still think it's a good film, but it's not a masterpiece. And I think I can see why it had the issues it had. Maybe I didn't see it at the time. Maybe I had, uh, those Top Gun Maverick sunglasses on that Troy had on this whole past weekend, <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I thought it was very cool, and it was new technology. It was it was revolutionary. Um, I just thought it was a neat idea, and I thought, man, they could really do some stuff with this. And I expected more of this. Actually, I expected. And then Sin City came out, and I thought, man, this is this is whether I like it or not. This is probably going to be the future of movies. Three hundred. I mean, me and my friends, we were going to see these films, and we were like, wow, this is what movies are going to be like. Do you, be like video game cutscenes. Do you think those films? Because it's interesting. This this is the first, and if you saw it in two thousand four, because um, spoiler, I I didn't see it until HD DVD, mm-hmm. and I really liked it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I had been exposed at that point to all of the films that were coming after it. So it's first time watch in two thousand four. I remember liking this quite a bit. So when Brad said hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of excited to revisit it because I remember a lot of good things about it. 
But do you think time has kind of robbed it of what made it good because of the advancements of the technology? Um, partially, partially. I, th- I think the story was probably always pretty clunky and I just didn't see it the first time around. That's not unusual, right? We've all seen films where we thought, man, that was pretty good. And then you watch it the second time. You're like, Ooh, what happened there? Um, I, I don't remember. I didn't remember it being as boring as this turns out to be in the second uh, in the back end, the last third. Okay. Um, but I think I saw sin city before I saw this. Cause I didn't see this in theaters. We talked about that. I saw it on DVD. So I, I think I saw this after I saw sin city and maybe even after 300, maybe I didn't even, maybe, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. I think time has been unkind to this film. I do. I do think that in a nutshell. Um, but for me, it's been unkind in a way of, I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I, I don't personally think it's a bad movie. I can see where people do would think it's a bad movie. Um, because the leads are all pretty dry, uh, for the record, even Angelina Jolie, very little sexual appeal here. Jude law. They're trying to make like this Errol Flynnish type character, maybe slash Jimmy Stewart. I don't know what they're going for with him. You know, these are sexy quote unquote leads we got here. I mean, Michael Gambon, no, well, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Goopy. Hey, Goopy. Hey, Goopy. Oh, Let me man. smell your candle. Hey, Kiki. Can you imagine if he'd have been around when she put the candle out? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it still works for me for the most part. But I was thinking about showing Landon the film after we watched it. I, I would have showed him that night because it's, it's just a PG film. And there's nothing offensive in it. Anything it's a kids. minus one. Yeah. Movie guy. Well, yeah. Yeah. He, he can definitely watch minus one movies. Certainly. Um, But. After I got to that second part, I was like, yeah, I don't think he probably dig this as much as, you know, he'd probably think the dinosaurs look really shit. I don't know. He likes Moonlight I, or Moon Moon Knight, not Moonlight. If he likes Moon Knight, this is pure excitement compared to Moon Knight. So I don't know about that. I think, I think you can tell him I said that, too. <laughs> he loves to go back and forth with you on the Moon Knight. No. Hey, matter of fact, the whole time up there, we should say this a little behind the scenes. The whole time up there, he's like, when I see Troy, I'm going to confront him about Moon Knight. Oh, he's we right did. about he's right about Top Gun Maverick, but he's not right about Moon Knight. We debated Moon Knight <laughs> on my birthday. It was it was hilarious. Anyway, um, but I enjoyed the rewatch, and I, I I guess I you know I guess one of the reasons why I always when you guys send me the list, um, obviously I could be on every show because I love you both, but uh, I try to pick things that either I had a complicated relationship with or I think will lead to interesting conversation. And I think I chose wisely here because seeing your guys' responses, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. So we're going to hear some good talk and some good chatter here. Uh, And I felt that way about the Hellboy episode as well. I was glad I chose that one to be on as well. Um, And I think the next one I'm on, I think will be an interesting conversation as (laughs) well. Yes, I think so. (laughs) So, I I mean, I go for that, right? Because, I mean, I've been doing this a long time and uh, it's fun to have these conversations. Uh, Sometimes we all agree. Sometimes we don't agree. And that's, that's the best part about it. But, um, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. You've kind of heard me kind of, that's about as much gushing as I can give this movie. Okay. All right. Well, Brad, um, I'll let you take (laughs) counterpoint. Uh, your honor. Um, (laughs) it's funny. It's funny. You, uh, bring up the, the Lord of the, not Lord of the Rings wizard of Oz comparisons, because I believe I was reading, I was originally supposed to be, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves playing in the background, but they couldn't get the rights from Disney 
because it's Disney. So they changed it to uh, Wizard of Oz. So it'd be funny if like you picked up on some of those illusions if it yeah. was Snow White instead. Yeah, what um, would it what would it have been when it got to the end with Lawrence Olivier's head? Then I know, I know, it'd be yeah, an apple or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> seven dwarves with Lawrence yeah. Olivier's head. Yeah, sleepy, sleepy, just like yeah. <laughs> I was dead the whole time. Anyway, um, <clears throat> okay, where do I begin? And you're not um, gonna hurt. You're not gonna hurt my feelings, Brad. No. So so Let I think you let it spew. One of my, I think my my biggest problem with this movie is the total and utter void of any sort of charisma or not charisma, but chemistry between Gwyneth Paltrow and Jude Law. There is no chemistry between those two. And to see them bicker for a hundred and whatever minutes this movie is, having to listen to that is like listening to my five-year-old and my two-year-old fight over a toy and i was like i i can't do this i do this all day i'm not listening to these children argue um can i can i jump in here for a second brad sure go right ahead okay i'm so tag me real quick tag okay, go. um have you ever been to a fish market and you've seen like two dead uh slightly frozen fish sorry land. i'm just like imagining like jim ross screaming oh it's trolley's music oh <laughs> trolley's coming down in the ring my god yeah so if, if you've been to a fish market you've seen you've seen two dead fish kind of slightly frozen laying next to each other on a bed of ice so their eyes are wide open they're just staring at each other right mouths open uh, that interaction between those two fish is more exciting than watching jude law and gwyneth paltrow together and as Brad said, their chemistry is lifeless and stinkier than those dead fish. <laughs> stinkier. Okay. okay. Brad, tag, you're back in. <laughs> dare, dare I say goopy? Uh, goopy it's very yes. goopy. Um, I okay. So I was thinking about this because there's a lot of Orson Welles, like World of the War of the Worlds references in this, and that got me thinking about Citizen Kane, which I I do on the regular anyway. And I I just kind of happened to think like. If I went back and watched that 1941 film right now, would it look better than Sky Captain did today? And I honestly think Citizen Kane would look better than this film because of the way Citizen Kane was made. And so I don't think time has really helped the look of this film. It was an early attempt at this technology. Again, I think I know what they're going for, right? They're going for that golden age look. Um, I think it's just so washed out and everything has this weird, people can't see it now, but there's a light above Sammy that I'm seeing. And that's what this film looks like. It's all washed out and it's just so hard to feel any sort of tension when a robot that, you know, is completely fake because it looks completely fake, kick a weightless car down a street towards the character. You're like, this has no weight to it. There's no, I feel no mm. sort of danger in this moment because it all looks terrible. And it, I, and it's the same problem with uh, episode one, the Phantom Menace, okay. like uh, those people are standing in front of stuff and they have no idea what they're acting against, what they're, you know, a part of having a, having a set is you feel like you're in the moment. And you feel like, okay, I can play off of 
this and that. Yeah, they're probably going to add some more stuff, but I at least have a sense of what is going on. That's why you have dudes with sticks with a tennis ball at the end of it. At least I know what I'm looking at, right? Here, I just felt like they were like, here, you're on a blue screen, do something. And I don't know if Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow have the equipment required to pull that stuff off um, because I, I just don't think they are good at all. Hmm. Angelina Jolie is okay. Um, she's not on screen enough to really matter, though. Yeah. So if you're coming for her, you're waiting a long time, and then she's out, and then she comes back at the very end, and then she's gone again. Um, yeah. You might have like five minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then I think the story in this script, I joked earlier about how maybe they should have worked on the script and the story as opposed to creating this film three times. It's really bad. Um, it starts off kind of, I don't know. I think they have like two separate stories going on at the same time. And the way they try to interweave them together just doesn't really work for me. There's the the robots and the stuff. And then there's like this world of tomorrow with this evil doctor. And they're trying to get these uh, hit lists of these other doctors and then it culminates into a big spaceship that's kind of like Noah's Ark. And you're like, what? Okay. Like the rocket stuff comes out of nowhere. And I just felt like the storytelling was super clunky. And I just never, I don't know. I, I the, the mystery and everything just never really compelled me to, to be like, oh, um, I, I want to see how this plays out. Cause initially I thought, Oh, this is going to be like a play on a noir film where the woman is like the detective and she's trying to go out and look at all this stuff. Well, that really doesn't play out because Gwyneth Powell's a reporter, but she doesn't really do any sort of reporting or investigation. She just kind of tags along. Um, I mean, Jude Law is essentially doing an escort mission this whole time of, of, goopy uh poutro here so i don't know man she's very vicky valish yeah and and not even as good and vicky vale is probably not a great uh great character anyway but i don't know um great either pales in comparison to 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 this one so um i thought this movie was super boring and i wanted it to be over from literally minute two um that's interesting and it was kind of a struggle for me to to sit through because, again, there's just there's no life on the screen at all. There's no like real vivid colors, even like when you go and look at Sin City or even 1940s noir films, that black and white like contrast, it really plays into things um, here with the mudded colors and stuff. It just. I don't know, man. There's just no life in this movie at all for me. So that's my thoughts. Come on down to Goopy's fish. Mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Goopy, let me smell your fish. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right. My take. So let's hear it, Troy. I, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> I've, I've already made my statement about the performances. I, I agree with everything Brad says. I mean, it's it is like watching two lifeless dead fish just with their mouths open. There's nothing there, nothing there at all. Um, I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to copy like the thin man from 1934. I get it. 
some witty, witty thirties, forties, like banter. Neither of them are good at it. Um, the, the film's visual style, I think it's fantastic. I love all the art designs and special effects. I think the movie, the movie pulls from like every pulp comic of the thirties and forties and you get everything from robots to dinosaurs. And I actually think it's, it's a, it's a visual feast. I really like everything about it to me. Like, and I've talked about this before. One of my favorite things, especially for science fiction films is those art of books that they publish Uh where they're showing you all like the sketch designs and some of the ideas that they have. And this film really feels like an art of film book come to life. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell the filmmaker like Carrie and, and the producer put everything into how the movie looks. And when I read that fact that, you know, he kind of pretty much made it twice before he shot it makes total sense. Um, and I think that's the problem. They put everything into how the movie looks uh-huh. and the movie has a plot, but it doesn't have an exciting story. And more importantly, there's nothing about the characters that I care for. Now I'm not, I'm not looking for a Shakespearean depth here at all. I'm not, but I need something to care about, even if it's superficial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if it is going to be superficial and there's no depth to it, well then I I need the chemistry and I need the chemistry to really spark. Right. And it doesn't here. So um, that's my biggest drawback is like, I, I like, I like the look of it. I like all the robots. I love the design. I think it has some pacing problems. Um, you talk about it into that second half going into the third. I do think it needs to be tighter. I actually think it has some editing problems, like some things go on too long. Yeah, it might be it carries a little in love with his stuff a little too much. It, it is, and and if you're and if you're trying to copy the Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon serial science fiction of that, there's a bit of a zippier pace to the things as they transpire. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I think if you work on something for so long, cutting things out of your final product is probably even harder. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and I, I think it's one of those, you're so in love with the visuals. You're so in love with your, mm-hmm. let's just call it your visual painting. You're, you're so in love with that, that you can't find time to cut out of it and make it a tighter story. Your plot's good. I actually think the plot's kind of interesting, but again, I don't yeah, think you have good. a you have a good story and and story and plot are two different things. Well, I think I think I think you probably nailed it on the head more with the I do think I do think the plot is good. I do think the story is good. I do think that where you guys are nailing this uh, and what I didn't see the first time around is it's kind of the problems I have with another film we might talk about here a little later. I got to feel like two people are connecting in some way and even though I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow is super attractive and I like Jude law, I never feel like these two people were ever a thing. Uh, like it's implied in the film. I do feel like because of her sexuality, just naturally that Frankie, the Angelina Jolie character and Jude law were a thing and the looks they give each other, but you never feel that it's more of a fawning look from Gwyneth Paltrow and it's, it never really works. And so I think when watching it this time, I have to agree with you all. It it doesn't it doesn't have any emotional impact because I never I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow literally is just she's like she's like the camera she carries around. She just she's just there to hang on. Yeah, and and again, it doesn't have to be between him and Gwyneth Paltrow, even though those are the two that spend the most time together on screen. 
I mean, if it were between him and um, Dex, if it were between him and Frankie, there's, there's got to be some kind of spark between the characters that at that point it really takes off and that chemistry matches the visuals. But if, if I were to really sit down and dissect it, I would go, okay, you have this sequence where robots are attacking the airfield. Dex is in trouble. You're showing this. You're flying around the city. Um, you have all these visuals. It goes on way too long. It, yes. It's not tight enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're when you're having this whole big third act bonanza, you're trying to fight, you know, Bay uh, Bai Ling, and these robots coming around. It's like great. It it's it's very sluggish, yeah. and and it should it should have a little bit more zip to it. So you either got a problem with okay, your banter is not good enough to kind of keep things light and fluffy, um, or your editing isn't tight enough. The visuals are fantastic. I love looking at everything. It's just like it's almost like listening to a song. Um, since you know, we're, I lost my voice to singing to music, and so when when you hear like '80s music, the thing I've always loved about '80s music is it knows when to stop and leave and go on to the next song. It it's just got, you know, it's got a catchiness to it. Um, and, and it's got a tight chorus. Uh, this, this feels like it's going on too many beats or the chorus is going on for too long in some scenes. Um, and that's probably a terrible analogy, but I'm watching some scenes and going, man, if this were a song, I would have, I would have shortened this a little bit and gone to the next verse or gone to the chorus or something of that nature. You want this movie to be more like an anthem. Yeah. And it should be given the subject matter. I mean, that this should be eighties, um, hair metal. Uh, and and then Kerry Conrad came along and he basically like Brad to go back to Brad tried to make a, the citizen Kane of digital movies. Maybe, maybe that's what he was trying to do. I I think so. I I think of, I think of so many, like if we're going to compare it to music, I think of so many, um, like music attempts where they're trying to be very operatic or serious and really take it to the next level. And you're like, given that material, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be right. So this is like the November rain of, of movies. It is the November rain of movies. <laughs> November rain well, is too I'm long. sorry. Estranged. Estranged is probably a, a better. Yeah. It's the estranged of digital <laughs> filmmaking. No, I, I think November rain is a great analogy. There's a part in November rain where I'm like, okay, you're done. Just stop. Yeah, you probably need to let it go. Yeah, but it does come back with a really awesome ending, though. That's the that's the problem with November Rain, is it has that part you're it talking does. about, and yeah. then it comes back with the don't you think that you need somebody? Yeah, and then, it, and then you're like, I need oh, to yeah, get there faster. I need yeah. to get there faster in that song. Unfortunately, this doesn't have that moment. At the two end. guitar solos, two of them. <laughs> One's not enough. Slash is like, no, son. Two this, guitar this solos yeah. doesn't have that at the end. This one just kind of goes. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of in the middle with you guys. Like I I agree with all your comments, Sammy, in terms of the visual spectacle of it and everything else. Have I think you ever it, seen the uh, the design work of Norman Bel Geddes? Do you know anything about Norman Bel Geddes? No name name doesn't. If you look look up, uh, you don't have to do it now. Obviously, we're recording a podcast. But if you get some time <laughs> tomorrow or anything else, uh, check out some of Norman Bel Geddes' uh, work. I I believe Carrie Conrad really got into his stuff quite heavily, and you can see a lot of Sky Captain and Norman Bel Geddes design he's kind of considered the father of the 21st century or oh, the 20th okay. century or something like that with design so you love that kind of stuff you love design and art and things yeah. like that so i think that might uh that might uh, crank your yank your yob your knob or whatever you want to say <laughs> no i'll check it out i i can tell you that there's the i know exactly the point in the film where i go ooh, I, it's problematic like i was okay with it up to a point 
Is it the hard nipple joke? Because that moment is kind of odd. No, it <laughs> it's um. <laughs> there's a moment where these machines are chasing his plane, and he oh hits, the flappy the flappy ones. He hits the water, and it turns into a submarine. And then the other oh yeah 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 the other things hit the water and explode. And in my head, um, I'm like, well, why didn't why didn't his plane explode like the others? Because they look kind of the same. Well, yeah, but that's because Dex designed his. The minute I asked that question, the minute I knew I was in trouble, because I'm going okay. I'm paying so much to the to to the details of what's going on in terms of how it looks that I was not vested in the excitement that was transpiring in front of me, and so at that point I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm like questioning the physics in the film. We start to question the physics of a, a movie of a movie called Sky Captain: The World of Tomorrow. You're in trouble. Yeah. Did you, did you guys find any of the sequences exciting? Um, I like the opening robot thing i mean i don't know if exciting is the word i think carrie connery could have used he could have used uh an action choreographer or an action director here i mean say what you want to say about guys like michael bay and things like that but these guys know how to pump up an action sequence right mm-hmm. i don't feel like carrie i think his imagination is interesting <clears throat> but i don't think he has the chops for the action I, I agree with that. I, I'm thinking in my head, like how many of those um, rocket men from the moon or Buck Rogers serial stuff like that. I felt even with their cliffhanger, you know, uh, formula that occurred with every episode, I felt there was more excitement with that type of material than there was here. It was, yeah, trying, I, I it was, was trying never, to copy that, but I just never, never thought anybody was really in danger. Yeah. I was never like on the edge of my seat or like excited. I would never say I was excited while watching this movie at any sequence. I, my, I mean, I was out earlier than you guys. I mean, it was literally when that robot kicked that car and it was like, that car doesn't exist and it looks <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And that robot doesn't exist. There's no weight to anything. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, these characters are fine. I mean, there's, there's like, there's just no, oomph behind anything and 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 then again we have a movie that's artificially tense because everything that is tense in this movie is because there's a timer or like you know there's a countdown oh you know we have to do this before um this timer goes off we have to do this before this timer goes off they do it like two or three times you're like you get one timer scene and that's it and they do it (laughs) multiple times during this movie at one point he's fighting by Ling and it's like one minute left and they fight for 10 minutes and then they still get in the door. And I'm like, wait, no, that but was, the, I, I kind of, I'm okay with that. If that's what, if it's, if it's borrowing from the source material and that's what the source material did and it's trying to stay true to it, which it did. I, I think the that's spaceballs fine. It, it do it do one and a half, but it, one. yeah. At, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, that source material is still more exciting than what you're doing. And I think it really comes down to the editing. I, I, if anything, I don't know what you guys think. The, the action the, sucks, man. This movie really points out to me, like the difference between a director and a really great director. So you can have somebody who nails down the visuals and create a beautiful shot within a film. You could also have a director that is great at bringing some scenes together by getting some performances out of somebody, even in a, in a bland setting. And they yeah. can fine tune that each line delivery, but rarely do you have somebody who's good at both. 
like take Scorsese. The reason why Scorsese is Scorsese is he shoots beautiful films and he gets amazing performances out of his actors. And that's, that's to me, this film is an example of a director who is good at one thing, the visuals, mm. but he's not good at getting performances out of his actors. And I don't, I don't think he cared like to him, the second version that he shot with stand-ins was probably just as good as the final version because he didn't care about the performances. He cared about the visuals. And that, yeah. and to me, that's on display here. No, I, I think like, imagine if Joe Johnson directs this film, how much better it is. Oh, it'd be a thousand times better. Yeah. But he did direct this film. It was called the rocket. Called the rocketeer. Yes, yeah. of course. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I'm just, I was thinking about you were saying, you know, directors and great directors. Like I think Joe Johnson is a, a fine director. I think, I, I think Joe Johnson's a great director. I think Joe okay. Johnston, if, and again, I'm using the definition of great director as somebody who brings both the visuals and the performances together. I think there are a lot of great directors out there. Now there's master class like Scorsese, but I think, I think a lot of directors fall into, they get good performances, but you know, visually, unless the script's really good, their, their movie's just not visually enticing. And you get others where, man, it looks great, but man, those performances suck. I think a great director is somebody who walks in and, and gives you both of those things. Yeah. Cause I, I think like, you're right. I think Joe Johnson is great because I think about Captain America, the first Avenger and like that movie is better than it has any right to be. Yes. And it's, yeah. you know, the direction has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think part of my problem with this movie is I like aesthetically what it's going for i like the pulpiness that it's pulling from i like all that stuff i like 1930s i like 1940s i like all that stuff and this just misses on all those marks for me you know i think in a more capable director's hands i think it's a much better film um i know this was this guy's passion project and i'm glad he got to make it unfortunately he kind of went away like this movie did. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I, for me, it's just, it's just not exciting mm. and you can't, I don't know if you can have a movie called sky captain in the world of tomorrow. And it's not an exciting film. I think you messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, he definitely swung for the fences here and he, he, he missed. I mean, I think he might've got a double out of it. I used this analogy last night when I was podcasting. Is this, is this a dream? My dream. <laughs> um, I always use baseball, but I, it, to me, that's that's what it's like. It's like a solid double. It's like a Sunday matinee, like a film I can watch. Uh, it's not too. I don't have to commit too much to it, and it just kind of washes over me, and it doesn't really leave me thinking anything. Although I will say, I do wish Carrie Connor could have made more films. Because I think there's the beginnings of something here. And uh, we probably will never know that now. Because uh, I don't think he'll ever make another film. But I think that would be interesting. You know, something that I, when I was looking through the trivia uh, last night when I got done watching the film, uh, I was looking through the trivia and I saw in, at one point in there that the film, the average shot in the film is about 1.6 seconds long. It feels like the film in a weird way is writing checks that the body of the film that they can't catch. You know, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's because true. 1.6 seconds is really fast. And if that's the average length of a shot in this movie, something's wrong with the editing somewhere because this should have felt more kinetic and it doesn't feel very kinetic to me. 
it felt very staid and not in a bad way, but it just felt very subtle and slow and uh, staged set up. I, I agree. I, I think this movie has an editing problem because it, yeah. it, it, kinetic to, to build that kinetic motion within a film and to go to from point A to point B, it's not just the shot that you take, but it's the sequence that you put those shots. And I think there's too much, Hey, stand here and look at how, how cool this is mm. versus let's, let's move the motion forward within the scene. Yeah. But at 1.6 seconds, there's not even really enough stand here and look how cool this is. But if it's 1.6 seconds to look at the, how cool this <laughs> is and look how cool this is and look how cool that is. I mean, you'll end up with like 20 seconds of just looking at cool stuff versus things happening. My heart just stopped beating for 1.6 <laughs> seconds when my daughter snuck in here and hitting on the shoulder. I want to know how much Angelina Jolie was paid for this movie because she worked for three days. That's it. This was three days for her. Yeah. I want her if manager. It, if she got probably, I don't know. She got more than a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. I, whoever was representing her at the time of this film, I want that person to be my manager and I want a sweet deal like she got. Cause that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, is this movie like too homagey? Like, I'm. I'm trying to think. Like, we live in a in a culture now where everything has to be a reference to something, and there's so many references. And there's even like a King Kong reference because they're in New York. There's obviously, you know, the War of the Worlds. There's, uh, yeah, there's Star Wars stuff. There's yeah, there, Oz. yeah, there's all sorts of stuff, and it's like you have to be so careful with that stuff because. I don't know. It comes across if it's too much, it's it's becomes like hacky to me. And and I think to a certain point, this one feels like, yes, okay, we get it. We you've seen you've listened to Orson Welles before. We get it. Like we you know, you've seen Indiana Jones, you've seen these films, like we get it. I don't know. I, I I'm getting a little saturated with some of this homage stuff. And I know this was 2004, but it's just too much. Well, I agree. I agree with you up to a point. And then we talked about Joe Johnson a minute ago, and I feel like Joe Johnson kind of does that for a, he's kind of done that his whole career. He's kind of homage to all those guys we talk about, even though he is part of that generation. Um, this one, for some reason, it's, you're right though. Something's off something. And maybe it's something that Troy talked about and something else. I love the analogy of the khakis though. This is the Fred Durst of, uh, digital <laughs> movies here yeah I, I don't know it just it it feels um oh my I god st i still will say the first 60 minutes the 70 minutes i think are fine it's okay i to me this is like <laughs> this is the winger of the hair metal bands like i really don't <laughs> like winger and there's this one song they do that i think is so out of sync like can't get enough of your love baby there's there's a there's a <laughs> There's a sequence in that song where I feel like the vocals, the drums, the bass, they're not all in sync. Yeah. And it drives me fucking crazy when I hear that winger song. Yeah. So I love eighties hair metal, but when I hear winger, I'm like, it's not working. Like everything's there. Doesn't winger have a song about seven? Isn't a, yeah. a winger 17? It's possibly a problematic song at this point. Yes, yes yeah. that's a problem. But I'm just talking about this. Can't get enough of your love baby thing. And it's pretty bad. Yeah. It, yeah and I'm like, uh, it just sounds off. Like the elements are there. They're just lining up. And to me, sky captain is, is really the, the winger of the film industry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hmm. Sky Captain is the Kip Winger of uh, Kip. Wow, we have a Kip, Kip Winger. Winger he is the Kip Winger. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, the uh, 
I'll, I'll say this as a fellow musician and fellow music lover winger kip winger always was trying to go for that kind of offbeat type thing so yeah it never really he, he only worked on a couple songs it, it does yeah and i i think again he's he's not you know if we're doing comparisons joe is the john bon jovi and uh carrie is the kip winger so Ooh. i don't know if i like these analogies <laughs> wow. both of them have mom hair now yeah there you go um were we ready to uh to just decision this thing are we good uh i think so yes ringed out as much conversation as i'll ever get out of this film okay well i'm gonna start with you sammy is is 2000 is 2004's uh sky captain the world of tomorrow is it a bomb i believe it is a bomb yes i i i wouldn't have called it that if you'd asked me to review this without ever seeing it again I would have said, "Hey, this movie, that movie's good, man." That's not how this works. Man. I know, I know, it's not how it works. I wonder, I wonder if Jose watched it because Jose, Jose it. loves it. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure he does, but I wonder if he would have any problems with it now on a rewatch. So, Jose, if you're listening, give it a rewatch. The inquiring minds want to know. Send us an email, Jose. We got to hear your thoughts on yeah. this one. Yeah, uh, but uh, I do think it's a bomb in hindsight because it's clumsy. That's probably the best word to put. To this I, film. I, yeah, I like that. I like that. It's clumsy and uh, not in that uh, fun Fergie kind of way, but in that fun, uh, there's a little black IP uh, uh, joke there for you. For you uh, <laughs> I like for it. You guys out there. I don't know where that came from. Uh, now I'm thinking about Didn't Fergie. see that coming. We have a Kip Winger <laughs> and a Black Eyed Peas reference within 10 minutes. There'll be some Google searching later. And the, uh, <laughs> I just, it's a, it's a clumsy movie. I think those who like it, like me, We'll always find a way to defend it in some way, but I do think it's a legitimate bomb. Okay. What about you, Brad? Uh, yes, this is, this is a bomb. This is a bomb. As soon as you see Jude Law and Goopy Paltrow on screen together and their total lack of chemistry. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't hate this film. I don't think it's terrible. There's so much I like about it, but it's not enough for me to kind of put it into um, the, uh, territory where it kind of should be praised more. I, mm. I I think it's an interesting artifact to kind of see where this technology starts. And visually, I love it, but I, it is it is the Kip Winger of science fiction or or diesel punk films. So <laughs> if Winger's a bomb, then then this thing's a bomb too. So yeah, <laughs> I wish I'd uh, had some Winger queued up somewhere. Damn it. Um. Gotta well, give me a heads up on these things. Man. I didn't know we were going there. I just <laughs> that that's what it reminded me of. Real quick, I I think this will be a good segue into something I want to talk about. We got a um, uh, an email with a question from a listener named Jeff. So I'm going to read this, and it's uh, the subject is called call signs. <clears throat> oh boy! Yeah, here, here we, we go. go. I think I talked about this last night, too. Okay. Well, bombers. Congrats on the 100th episode and Troy's 50th birthday. Well, thank you, Jeff. Enough. Enough with the birthday thank stuff. Thank you He's so much. Enough. I appreciate it. I am going to be so disappointed next year. <laughs> oh, my wife, we came back. She's like, don't think I'm doing all that shit for you. I'm, I'm like, you, you know what? I bet you I can get Winger at a good price to come in. <laughs> Please. No. He's only going to play for an hour, though. I don't need any video of me saying she's on. She's only seventeen. <laughs> Won't go over well. Okay, so um, congrats on hundredth episode, choice fiftieth birthday. Thank you, Jeff. I'll get this one short and sweet with the release of Top Gun Maverick. 
What would your Top Gun call sign be? Thanks, and I love the show, Jeff. All right, so, so we pick we pick these for each other. So here here's here's what I did last night. Okay, because I did I had no idea this is I had no idea this was going to happen. I seriously had no idea this was going to happen. But Will and I got into this conversation, and I won't share what I did last night because that'll come out next week. Okay, so you can hear that. But I think you pick one for yourself, and then we go around and we pick one for each other because it's very fun to interpret what you might think Troy's like what I think Troy's call sign should be versus what he thinks his call sign should be. Well, let me ask you this is, is the call sign today really your like Xbox gamer tag? Well, it's gotta be short. <laughs> I think it's like one word, you know, I think it's, it literally has to be as goofy, but as on point as yeah. something like hangman. Yeah. Why they call him hangman because he leaves his buddies hanging. It's, a, like good, it, it's yeah. a cool name, but at the same time, it's kind of goofy. <clears throat> I mean, Iceman, kind of goofy. Maverick. Uh, well, so I'll go first. I know what my call sign would be. Okay. If I were picking mine, mine would probably be something like Chopsaki. <laughs> Chopsaki. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. Not racially problematic at all. Not at all. But you know <laughs> I what? I was going <laughs> to say Kung Fu for you. Well, that's probably more. Um, can we not say Chopsaki anymore? Uh, you can say whatever you, you want. I think, I think you can still say it. Okay. All right. Oh, I like Kung Fu too. So there we go. Okay. Um, Brad, I already know what I would assign yours. What do you, what do you think yours would be? So we had this conversation at a cookout and people were thinking, <laughs> saying that mine was critic critic oh, I, because okay. every, every time people say something, I always have an opinion <laughs> on, on it. They'll say, Oh, I loved like my buddy said something about, this was a top five movie. And I said, there's no way and I said, why do you always to be a critic? And then, it, so yeah, they're, they're so you cr- friends. Are you sure they're calling you critic? Or are you sure they're not calling you butthole? Yeah, well, <laughs> How did they say the word critic? It was a little bit spiteful, but that's okay. Okay. See, I, I would have gone just because of uh, every time we get together, I would have thought your, your call sign was coffee, coffee or barista, maybe barista something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Did, did you have one for him, Sammy? Or uh, well, I mean, I haven't said what I think your twos are, are yet. I'm still kind of working through that as I'm talking. I, I I won't say the same thing I said on my show last night. That would be ruining our show. First of all, yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We'd like surprises, anyways. But I'll take one. Actually, my first name for those who don't know out there, my first name is Charles, and I laugh a lot. I'm a I'm a chortling laughter. Anybody that's ever been around me, they know I have a loud laugh. I like to laugh. <laughs> I laugh a lot. This one laughs a lot. Uh, so I think my call sign would be, uh, I'm going to go with chuckles. Chuckles. I do like chuckles. I like chuckles a lot. <laughs> wow. But uh, to kind of go back, and I'll let you guys think about what you would think my call sign would be. But for Troy, I think uh, a good call sign for Troy is, and these are not that fancy, but just go right with me here. Uh, research is a good truck call name for Troy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He researches everything. I do. I do. Speakers, yep. receivers. <clears throat> yeah. You, 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 the list goes on and on. I, everything. <laughs> everything. I can't. I can't buy anything without researching. Research. It. Yeah. And Brad, I'm gonna. So I've known Brad less than I'm long, less longer than I've known Troy, but I've I've gotten close with Brad. And I'm gonna go <laughs> Domino's. <laughs> Domino's. <laughs> something that, pizza. Domino is a good one. Domino's is a good one. Yeah. But I'm going to go with something that uh, that he shared with us, and I'll just I'll just say this, uh, I'll just say I'll say no soup. <laughs> oh oh yes. my god! 
Yeah. No soup. I don't, I don't like soup. Yes. I yeah. can totally be in a plane be like, hey, no soup. Research. I need you on my six. <laughs> I'd be there. I'd be there. So so for Sammy, I was going to say it was whiskey <laughs> or bourbon. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah I was I was going to Black Eagle. Black because, Eagle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew that was going to come up. I knew, yeah. I knew that one was probably. That's why I didn't say anything. But there, there's some funny ones. Will and I got some pretty funny ones. So look forward to that on our show. I can't wait. Well, <clears throat> I thought this would be that would be a great segue because all three of us over Memorial Day weekend had a chance and, and we don't we're, we're never going to talk about this film as its own show because we're a movie podcast called not a bomb and uh the movie in question here um top gun maverick it broke all the box office records for memorial day and critically it's just getting all the love right yeah so the, the stunning thing that's come out of this thing is this is tom cruise's first 100 million dollar opening yes I, I I would have bet my paycheck. I would have bet my yearly yearly salary that wasn't correct. No, yeah, I would have thought one of the Mission Impossibles had done that. They, yeah, I think sixty three or sixty four, right around there, had been his highest. And he his films always perform great at the box office. Yeah, they have they have longevity. Yeah, they they have staying power. But this one is his biggest opening. Um, and I just thought it would be kind of fun to share thoughts on it now. Rick, <laughs> I'm going to start with you um, because I'm really curious. I, I know where you fall on this, and yeah, we've had some like exchanges. You really like starting with me. I, I do like starting with you. I want to set the mood, too. So, um, oh, no. <laughs> so you, you can go ahead and share your thoughts. I know you're um, Putin's puppet, and you're, you're, you're communist propaganda that you're going to spill about uh, Tom Cruise and Top I, Gun. I I will say for the record, uh, I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. I did enjoy the film. Uh, I was never bored and I had a good time with it. I do think though it is heavily flawed. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> even got a, uh, I'm sorry, a, Conrad, what are you saying? Yeah, what was that? I even have like a Romanov type crown. My daughter keeps throwing on my head over here. Um, I, I I think the first two thirds of the film relies slavishly on the nostalgia of the first film. Now, Troy, for the record, you got to remember, I don't. Oh, this is always tough to say to Troy, and I expect Russian music to kick back in. I don't love the first Top Gun. <laughs> Dude, so, I, sorry I, about that. I, I slipped. I slipped. I, I it's apologize. Always been a, yeah, it's always been a film that I appreciate and I think is heavily influential on 80s cinema. I, I will not deny that. And there's nobody that made movies like Tony Scott. Um, even though I don't think that's one of my favorites of his. There's just nobody that made movies like his. There's a lot of people who've tried to do the Tony Scott thing, and they they just don't come close. They just he was. I think we now that he's gone, I think we can all agree he was unique. Yes. Um. So that slavish grind of the nostalgia of the first film. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Go ahead, comrade. It really, it really bothered me to no end. I mean, there's scenes where he's just sitting there. I mean, dude, you couldn't have told. I'm not spoiling anything. I hope no, I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. If you would have told me that there's a scene in here where Goose's son sits down 
and plays the same exact mm. song that Tom Cruise and his the Roosters. You know what I'm saying? Why does it have yes. to be Great Balls of Fire? Why couldn't it have been anything else? Because it's Great Balls of Fire. It's a great song. It's a great American. It could have been song. Uptown Girl. I don't know. Could have been Uptown Girl. Could have been Uptown Girl. <laughs> Look, because he he sang that song with his son. And it was a bonding moment, so that's and, that's and, what he remembers and, of his dad. So he loves yeah. playing that song, thinks of his dad. And they make they make sure we remember that. Yeah, by yeah. What's again. wrong? You don't love your dad? I don't understand. And Meg Ryan was like, you better have sex with me right now. I don't care if our son's here. You're taking me to bed right oh. now. I just think the, the, the front two-thirds of the movie is a little too slavish. Now, I should say, I've thought about this film quite a bit over the last couple of days. I saw it Saturday night. In Maryland, but I didn't post any pictures because I was afraid Troy might figure out that I'm in a Maryland theater. Uh, so I didn't post any pictures because I was trying. Yeah, to I was texting me. with you Saturday and Sunday, and every I couldn't figure out why Tabitha was like all nervous and mad. I'm like, I was talking, yeah. talking with Sammy. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I got another text thread going with Randy and Jose because uh, I was in town seeing if they want to hook up, and we never could make that work on Saturday. So anyway. I was so scared I was going to slip up, though, and go back and forth the wrong text. Uh, I do like the opening. Here's what this film needed. And I don't know if Brad and you agree. Well, I know I know where you stand, Troy, so this doesn't even matter what I'm saying. But I wonder if this if Brad agrees with this. What this film really excels at is the last third of this film, Cruz and Teller go back and forth. And at that point, this movie really freaking works. And that's what I wanted. I think Tom Cruise gets a lot of shit for not being talked about as one of the funnier actors out there. His comedic timing between him and Teller in this in, the, in that in that finale, it's aces. Yeah, I mean, I like where, I like where you're going with that. Yes. Yep. Well, I mean, I just think I think the film needed more personality like that. Most of the movie, Miles Teller is just sitting there and sweating. He doesn't really do a whole lot, and he he shows anger, but he doesn't really do a whole lot. And I think that's where the core of this movie was. And it just feels like Tom Cruise all the time, just kind of looking away from him all the time. And it's, it's just a really weird setup. Uh, there's moments in between the Val Kilmer scenes really good. I'm I'd be lying to you. If the bro hug didn't make me cry a little bit, I, that would be a lie. I knew there's a little bit of patriotism and <laughs> American America, America. As right soon as that there. scene's over, the Putin music kicked in again, and I was like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do. I just, I think the front two thirds is. Sammy turns into Teddy KGB yeah. for a second. <laughs> Look, I think it's, I think it's a good film. I'd give it like on our scale, I'd give it like a seven out of ten. Okay. <laughs> I sorry, I didn't hear you there. Right? It, it, it does, it does once again prove that Tom Cruise is. A movie star uh and there's not very many of these guys left and i appreciate that uh more and more as time goes on i don't know how many of these he's got left in him i know he thinks he's going to live forever uh you know he talks to cans and everything else so i think he thinks he's going to live forever i hope he has two more because that that uh mission impossible part one and part two looks pretty awesome i think well, part that, one does for i sure. think that i think that movie is going to blow this movie away mm-hmm. um the trailer for that movie blows this movie away. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I liked it, Troy. I did. I liked it. I had a good time. I, I don't think it. I think a lot of your love comes from your original love of the other one. So I'm going to let Brad talk about what his thoughts on it were. 
Brad. Don't keep that music too far, Troy. Um, so I like Sammy and not the biggest original Top Gun fan myself. God dang it. I, think it's- <laughs> I don't understand. What- <clears throat> when did I get surrounded by Ruskies? I don't get uh, it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I definitely enjoy it for the plain cinema plane as an airplanes I, I i do like all that stuff um but i i never was really big into it but i did love kind of the redemptive iceman maverick sort of here we are we've come to this point and now we're friends and yada 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 you know the goose moment was always pretty powerful i mean the guy yeah. literally dies in his arms while they're floating in the ocean and you know it's got power power to it did you say floating or flirting? <laughs> floating, floating. Well, they'd be kind of there flirting. Well, um, remember, Top Gun has some. Oh yes, it's very homoerotic. So, um, <laughs> Troy, come on. Uh, anyway, so with Maverick, I was coming in. I, I will say all the previews made it look pretty badass, and yeah. Yeah. sitting down and watching it, it, it starts off with a pretty big bang, um, and then it sort of settles in. And I think my biggest gripe with this movie is the Miles Teller character, Rooster, is the best character outside, obviously, of, of outside of Maverick. And he doesn't get enough screen time. And I kind of wish they had resolved their conflict a little bit early so we could have had them be together more. Uh, because they work so well off of each other. Oh, yeah. I wanted more than the last 25 minutes of the film of them just being together. When, when um, this I, movie was over, all I wanted was a buddy cop film with Tom Cruise and Miles Teller. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want I want them to be in another movie together because I think they have great chemistry. Yeah, they do. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Jude Law could learn a few things about <laughs> chemistry from this movie. Um, I, I will say the weakest point of this movie is all the ancillary characters at the top gun, like uh, uh fanboy and fiend. You know, we know Phoenix cause she's a girl, but all the other ones outside of hangman have zero traits that yeah. like you put them along the line and say, which one is, which I don't know who cares. They're just yeah. there. Um, I, will, I will say Glenn Powell as Hangman. He does a pretty good job as the kind of Iceman. Yeah, but again, that's just clone. like, hey, remember Iceman? This guy's the new Iceman sort he of is deal. The new Ice, yeah, he is the new And Ice. I bet at the very end, he comes back around and is friends with everybody. And of course, if he, if he would have said, you can ride my tail anytime, I'd have been, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have checked out. Ride right his him. tail. That's not even the line. Oh. You can be my wingman. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> But I did, I did like, I, I think this is one of my favorite theater going experience, like seeing oh, a yeah, film yeah. in the theater. This is like one of the top because I saw it in an IMAX. It was Dolby Atmos. It was just, it was amazing. And um, it was really worth the wait. Um, but the further I get away from it, I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's an awesome sort of theatrical experience, but I didn't love everything about it. I, I will say, I, I think I walked away from this movie having a little bit more respect for Tom Cruise as an actor. He's a garbage human being, uh, but as an actor, 
I really thought he kind of sold this movie quite a bit. Like there's moments where he's super funny. There's moments where he's definitely battling with emotions and you can see it. And there's moments where, you know, him and miles Teller are kind of bonding. And I'm like, he kind of runs the gamut of like acting emotions in this movie and does it really well. Um, John Hamm's character is literally the character from uh, the town. I don't know if you guys remember his character in the town, literally that guy. Um, You know, it's good to see Jennifer Conley in something. Um, I think her and Cruz have, you know, some chemistry as well. Um, Yeah, I I think it's totally fine. Like Sammy gave it a seven. I would probably do a seven and a half, maybe eight. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. And as soon as it's, you know, I can see it at my house and it's going to be less spectacular here, but. You know, it'll still be a fun movie to watch. So, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on the, the theater going experience. And uh, did we either one of us talk about the aerial photography? I don't know if either one of us. Really. Oh, it's like, good God. It's when really, those planes take off the they every yeah. time they take off, like I felt like my heart kind of dropping for yeah. a second. So our uh, show, our show has a most valuable thing feature we do. Right. For those who of your listeners who don't listen yes. to us, that is easily the most valuable thing about this film. Is that aerial photography? I mean, it it blows the first film completely out of the water. And I have to say, I know people have said it, but Miles Taylor looks so much like Anthony Edwards. It is <laughs> scary. It he is does. so scary. People were saying that, and uh, I was like, "No, he doesn't look anything like Anthony Edwards." Then he comes on screen, and I'm like, "Holy shit, he looks like Anthony Edwards!" Yeah, it almost yeah. looks like a deep fake. It, it really does. It's, yeah. it's kind of creepy, actually. Like I. I I'd almost be curious if they put any makeup on him at all, like around the bridge of his nose or something, because man, it's creepy. They, lighten, they said they lightened his hair and did the mustache. And after that, it was like, wow, that was it. Yep. That was it. Yeah. It's amazing. All right, Troy. So what did you think, Troy? <laughs> well, <laughs> being an American growing up in Wichita, Kansas, appreciating all the values that Tom Cruise stands for. Drifting people out of millions of dollars one of them. Top Gun being one of the greatest movies ever of the 80s. I mean, there's a lot riding on this one. <laughs> and I, I got to be honest with you, I, I was just hoping it would be as good as the first one. But damn it, if it wasn't the best film I saw this year. It, it brought me to tears how good it was. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I... It, it inspires me. It inspires me to be a good American, to be a good Scientologist. Oh, my God. You're um. killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. The good Scientologist line, just about, you lost me almost completely there. I am not coming to the 51st birthday party. No. <laughs> You're not going to audit me at all, Troy. <laughs> if I, I come uh, up there next time and you got cans, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... I'm going to keep this playing because <laughs> we I'm get patriotic the there. <laughs> we get the point. We yeah. Uh, I, here's the thing. I there's It's not a secret. I love the first Top Gun so much. Right. Um, to me, it's uh, when I watch it, it brings back the whole MTV vibe of the 80s. I mean, that's what Tony Scott brings to it. What I've always liked about the first film is there's not necessarily a bad guy. Like the, the whole movie really is about Tom Cruise. <laughs> 
really going up against himself mm -hmm. um, and his larger than life personality and coming to terms with that. And well, it's funny you say that because I don't really feel like there's a bad guy in the new movie either. And, and again, that's that's what I like about this film is that there's not necessarily a bad guy. They have this mission. But when there's, you there's a bad guy, but it's an amalgamation of snowy landscapes dark helmets it, it is and, and i think really that <laughs> i like the fact it's called top gun maverick because this is just about pete and um you know that it starts out where he just hasn't advanced in his career and he's just flying planes and and he he can't advance because of himself and right. he's and he's a bit he's stuck in a rut and he's stuck in a rut because of what happened with goose and i like where they picked the story up i thought that was really interesting uh, from a character development and you know we we talk about chemistry and I think Tom Cruise has chemistry with Jennifer Connelly it's okay it's good I think he has chemistry with the cadets even though they are kind of um, there's no depth to him I totally get that there's not a lot of depth to the characters outside of Goose and Maverick and Iceman and in, in the first one so it, it follows that that standard story arc but Tom Cruise still has How chemistry with him. Besmirch Merlin like that, Troy. <laughs> it it it's if you were to say Merlin has more depth than fanboy, I would say challenge. They're they're written about the same, right? Um, and I agree with you that the best component or the best chemistry comes from the back end when well, I don't I wouldn't even well, say only, that. Not only not only that, but the back end is it's tell me about the back end, guys. <laughs> it the the last third of this film, let me rephrase that. <laughs> The last third of this film is both a surprise, which I won't give away. Right. I don't think it goes where I thought it was going to go, which was nice. Yes. But also it plays on the tropes and it plays on them well. Like I didn't mind that even though I didn't know what's going on at first, I thought, wow, what are we going to get? Are we going to get, is this movie going to end like this? That'd be, that'd be a bold ass move right there. Because then we know we get a Top Gun 3, right? Yeah. Tom Cruise is not averse to do. I mean, he'll do these movies until he can't walk. But then they swing back around with something. You're like, oh, well, of course, that was what was going to happen. But you don't care because at that point, you're like, yes. Yeah. So they do that really well on the back third. And and I I think Brad and I both agree with that. I mean, I, that, I think I think it's a very well. Handled. I think it's a good setup. I think when you walk into this film and you see how they handle it, you start to get the idea that maverick is going to come in and he's going to hand the torch to this crew and you're you're going to have top gun three it doesn't go that way like the thing that surprised me about the film is this isn't about continuing a franchise it's actually trying to get maverick the character to grow um and when you leave top gun you go wow he learned some humility he understood what he could bring to the table but there's this whole, you know, through line of he is resisting authority. He still can't advance and he's his own worst enemy. And you think, okay, Tom Cruise is coming in to teach these guys and they're going to go through with it. But the, the last half of the film, not even the last third, but the last half goes in a direction. I don't think you would expect given how modern franchises are handling, you know, a movie that is taking an older star and bringing a young cast in. It's all about let's give it to the next generation. This movie doesn't do that. This movie actually raises some questions about, you know, they don't do enough with it. I'll give you this, like this whole drone versus fighter pilot. 
Um, and then, okay, we don't need you because we want to do it this way. Your talent and skill is obsolete. They tackle those things and that becomes sort of a subplot point. But I really, I really like what they did with the character of Maverick. And I I don't, (laughs) when people come at it and they go, well, you know, this is too shallow. There's not enough depth here, et cetera. I think that's intentional because I think Tom Cruise this is probably one of his most personable movies. Meaning when you look at Maverick, I guarantee that's what Tom Cruise is thinking about his career. That's those questions he has about being obsolete, his age. What is he going to do um, after the next mission? Like, where does that lead? Uh, I don't think he could have made this film in any part of his career except for now. And, mm-hmm. and I think that shows in his performance. I mean, you were talking about his comedic performance in the back end. I think his dramatic performance in the beginning is just as good as the stuff that he was doing. And I know this is going to be hyperbole, but you know, he got nominated for born on the 4th of July and, and you know, he was getting rave reviews for his performances in rain, man. I think he's just as good in this. No, like, no, I, I, I should clarify. I think he's great in the movie. Yeah. I, I think this is, this I think is he's great in just about everything he does. Me and I, you've talked about this. Yeah, I agree too. But I think this is the one. And what's funny is Tabitha hates Tom Cruise. Yeah. And she walked out of this going, I think that's a perfect film because from her perspective, it, it took this character that she knew about and got her to care about that character and his relationship and where it went and its growth. And then throw in the excitement of the aerial combat and everything else. And the other thing is this film looks gorgeous. There's a sequence in the beginning where this plane blows up and you get this shot of what it's looking like in the air. It's freaking gorgeous. Um, But yeah, I I love everything about this film. And people make fun of me because they're like, well, it can't be good as Aliens or Godfather 2. Yeah, for me, I'd put it in that pantheon because what a sequel does and I would love um, for our, our good friend James at the Iron Sequel to to talk, you know, about this one. He did, um, but yeah, I think he did talk about yeah, it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and to me, a great sequel is one that takes its source material, has reverence for it, but takes it in a different direction. And while Maverick hits the beat to the first one, it still adds enough originality and freshness that if you'd never seen the first one, it's okay. This mm. stands on its own. Um, and I think that's unique. That's what makes alien so good. Alien stands on its own without ever having to see alien. And it feels like a different film. It doesn't feel like a copy of it. Maverick kind of feels like a copy of top gun, but you made this comment, Brad, and it it just dawned on me. This feels more like star Wars. This feels like star Wars told through the eyes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Um, and, and I like that take on it. Um, if I don't, I don't even think you have to see Top Gun, like, I, I agree, and I, I no. think that's uh, I think it handles its backstory really well, and I don't think it hits you over the head with it. Where it comes up with the flashbacks and everything else, it makes total sense. But mm. I, I just I think Tom Cruise's performance is great, I think visually it looks amazing. The aerial photography is so intense. I think this is one of the best action films, um, made uh, to date. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that, but I, I will say this. I'll give it out of all the aerial films that I love. And that's not a genre I love to death uh, because a lot of it's usually just quick cuts and, yeah, you know, or Clint Eastwood close-ups like in Firefox. And, and uh, of course, I oh, love Dairy Stealth is a classic <laughs> Iron Eagle. I love, and yeah. I'm sure 
Troy might love it as well. I, I do like Iron Eagle. Yes, because yeah. of it's our it's our generation, right? Like yes. Iron Eagle was like rock and roll, and and it was like Footloose meets Top Gun. Yes. Um. This this blows any war fighting fi- a film with planes I can think of off the top of my head, except maybe for the the original Wings, where Howard Hughes actually shot real biplanes, and people actually died doing some of the stunt work, which is just. That's insane if you've never seen that. Yeah, and and I've seen people go, and to me, it's kind of like, I read a review that circulated around where somebody's like, well, look, if you have never seen Wings from 1927, one one best picture, like, sure, shut your mouth kind of thing. Like, how can you rave about Maverick? Look. They had to make laws up, though, after Wings. (laughs) Yeah, but but to me, it's like, no, Wings is is extremely impressive, but I'm I'm still going to go watch Top Gun Maverick 10 times over Wings. It's not edited like... Exactly. There's, I, th- I think Top Gun Maverick has better filmmaking than Wings, and you know, yeah. fight. I agree. With you I don't care. Yeah. yeah so, no. 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 I, I agree with yeah. you on that. So this film has one of my favorite things, as it is a PG-13 film. Oh yeah. Probably has my f- one of my favorite uses of their one F word in a film. Loved it. Loved the use <laughs> of the F word in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also will say, I think this might be one of my favorite third acts in a movie it's good it's really good i i I agree with you i mean what i what i like about films and i would consider this a drama action but what what i love about the action is you've got some amazing sequences going out with the dog fighting in the beginning then he's got the trial run and then you get the big uh back end that action builds on itself and and the thing about some action films is you get like a sequence in the beginning or the middle and you get to that climax, it, it can't ever match what came before it. No. This one just gets better and better. And then all of a sudden, you think you've seen it all. And it takes a twist. And all of a sudden, you're like, holy cow, they're actually going to do that. And it's yeah. so much fun. The thing, I was thinking about this. And I don't know what it is. The the movies I've really loved this year, really loved like um, the number one film for me, I can already tell you it, right now it's Top Gun, but come Saturday, it'll be the roundup with Don Lee, which is the outlaws too. You're uh, writing your own narrative. Though. <laughs> I, I am. And that's, I've, so the A two few films, weeks ago, it was RRR. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like it, if you were going, what was, what were you most excited for this year? There were two films, Top Gun Maverick and the outlaws Two, the roundup. Right. Roundup comes out this week. So I'm done this year. There's your number one and two spot. Um, I, I feel like there might be a sneak. I feel like there's one's going to sneak in on you. No, there's not. There's going to be, it's going to be the roundup and Maverick. And then everybody's <laughs> going to fight for third, but the film before Maverick came along was RRR. And I, that sure. is just an amazing spectacle to me. The other film that I had a lot of fun with was the unbearable weight of, um, the Nicholas cage film. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah, the whole massive title. Talent. Massive yeah, talent. Yeah. Massive talent. Yeah. And, and it just dawned on me. It's like, man, this year, the films that have this fun factor to them, but yet are of good quality. Um, those are the ones I'm more attracted to. And a lot of this other stuff that comes in that is meant to be grand and serious. And I, I'm, they're just not resonating with me versus these. And I don't want to call them popcorn films because I think that sounds too, insulting they're good quality entertainment and they're concentrating on i'm going to give you a story for two hours and it's pure escapism but it's escapism of the best kind you can think of yeah i keep hoping this will be the rebirth of the movie star movie i I think i'm that's what i'm looking for i really am yeah 
Because, I mean, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that's a movie star movie. Yep. This Top Gun Maverick is a movie star movie. Comic book films, as much fun as they can be, they've kind of taken a lot of the glamour of movie stars away. And I, I just don't think they're as fun right now, honestly. But I, I, I think they actually diminish the stars' capabilities in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Sun closing the door for me. Um, but that, you know, I keep hoping, you know, this is an original. Well, it's not an original IP, but it's as original as it's going to get. Right. And, uh, of course, the unbearable weightness of, ma- of uh, Massive Talent or whatever was not a hit, I don't believe. So, no, we'll be talking about that. It bombed. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I keep hoping that we'll see these films again. Um, you know, there's only a few actors that can open movies anymore. I think people have forgotten that. There's only like Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Tom Cruise. I, yeah, Leonardo and, DiCaprio, maybe. Maybe I. I just I think, and think about that. Then you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, there was like twenty guys. But Maverick, Top Gun, feels more like a simplistic story. Well, it's an old school Hollywood film. It's an old school Hollywood film, and all of these other blockbusters. I'm not saying movies can't have messages and they can't be impactful, etc. But man, I just. I miss Lethal Weapon. I miss Die well, I Hard. Mean, I mean, this has messages in it. There's, there's a little bit, yeah. It's it, but it's not. It's not. How do I say this? It's, it's not in your face. Yeah, I don't I, think I didn't. I didn't come out of a film preached to like his film. I liked a lot. Of Oblivion, I liked, but I felt like I was getting preached to a little. Yes, bit and and I think it's that preachiness. Like it's it's kind of there, but even like I love Hong Kong films. I do, and when we talk about Raging Fire with Donnie Yen, I love that film there's a sequence where it's preaching at me about how awesome the Hong Kong police is. <laughs> yeah. I get it. You know, you need that right. nationalism in there. Yeah. Or that remake of Candyman. I love that remake of Candyman. Oh gosh. Man, that's that, the most heavy handed thing. That movie, is, <laughs> that movie is preaching at you so hard the whole time you're watching it. You're like, Jesus Christ, man, get <laughs> off your fucking milk crate. Yeah. And, and I get, and to, to me, it's like, those are good films and I like the messaging in them. Um, I, I get it. I just, I really wanted a good Hollywood film and Maverick delivers it. And yeah. to me, I, I just, I think that should be a celebration. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I'm glad it's doing well because I, I, I want the movie star movie back. Yeah, I do too. Well, and I think this pulled people back into the movies. And I think this is a film that you go to the movies for. We've said it like, yeah, yeah. this is a movie ass movie. You yeah. go to the movies to see it. Like just people in my neighborhood was like, Hey, what are we seeing Maverick? We're like, let's just go tomorrow. Yeah. And, I, I don't know the last time I had a conversation about a movie that wasn't like a comic book film. Yeah. In game or something like that. What are we seeing in game? What are we seeing the Batman? All this yeah. stuff, you know, like you're right. You're and, right. I and, mean, almost nine times out of 10. Have you seen the, have you seen the new Dr. Strange yet? Yeah. yeah it's the Batman and Dr. Strange. I mean, that's all you heard about in the first part of the year, but that's why I'm excited about the roundup. It's, 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 <laughs> it's Don Lee in a cop film. That's an action comedy. It's like, yes, that's what I want to see. Give it to me. Liam Neeson is an actor who can still open a movie. Or, well, he was. I don't know about anymore. Depending depending on what it is, I think. Have you seen The Commuter? I don't know if The Commuter <laughs> was a uh, huge hit. No, I haven't seen. I haven't seen a lot of his uh, late cycle. What was that late snow cycle. movie that was in front of Ice The Road. Sadness? Ice Road. Yeah, yeah. Ice Road yeah. Trucker. Which I haven't Maybe. seen. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Yeah. No, <laughs> look, if anybody were to come at it and, um, and I... Hey, I know a lot of people look at it and go, well, Maverick was whatever. I get it. Uh, and some people just can't get past the persona of Tom Cruise. 
right and look at it from a film perspective and divorce themselves from the antics that happen outside of the film right i totally understand that but um i just i i think you can't make a better i don't know i just i can't think of a better film that feels like a movie going yeah. experience than maverick like i'm it, an eternal i'm an eternal optimist i do believe you can make a better film than top gun even if i thought top gun was the maverick was the greatest film ever made yeah all, there's always going to be that movie there there always is and and i'm not i'm not saying it's the greatest film ever made i just am super excited about of 2022 of 2022 right now for the next couple of days until the roundup comes out um <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but it, you know to me i would look at top gun maverick and i would look at rr and i go those were the the two films that I've had the most fun this year. Um, and I, I just, I want to see more of that stuff. Right. I mean, d- right. the David Lynch or not David Lynch, David Cronenberg film um, is playing this weekend. I think it opens and I'm just not excited to see that. I, I, I'm not in a Cronenberg mood right now to go to the movies. I'm, I'm more of a give me spectacle right now. Sure. Sure. Cronenberg is heady and uh, yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. Yeah. No, uh, good, good discussion, guys. I like. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, that uh, I think it was good for Landon to see a movie star movie. Yeah, I d- that is kind of depressing because there's going to be a who who of the newer generation can pull Robert, that weight. Robert Downey Jr. is the one he really identifies with the most because of the Marvel stuff mm-hmm. and the way he kind of transcends it with his kind of personality and stuff. Yeah, but then he does stuff like Doolittle, and you're like, God, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what movie going is going to be in the next 20 years. I, I just hope to be around for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> um, Brad, if somebody wants to get a hold of us and share their thoughts on Sky Captain and tell us how awesome Maverick is, how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, that's notabombpod at gmail.com. Also hit us up on our website, notabombpodcast.com. You can also uh, get in contact with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Nice. So June, we're in June. We're recording late. So this yeah. episode is going to come out a couple of days late for primarily yeah. because of my voice. So apologize. And, I, and right now, if you've been listening for the last couple hours and you're like, my God, what's wrong with him? Again, it, it was too much White Snake and Journey and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Hey, they, dude, when they. <laughs> <laughs> So I just to to brag about that 50th birthday party when when they're playing Iron Maiden, I'm like, this is it doesn't get better than this. And they follow that up with Danger Zone. Uh, It's pretty amazing, dude. I lost it. I I was in tears, man. Hey, you turned around and looked at me. They got a little bit of that on video. Yeah, um, it was amazing. Um, So we're into June and we usually don't do a lot of theme months, but we're going to we're going to do one for June. So believe it or not, there was a point in time in film history when movies based on comic book properties didn't do well in the theater. So, I mean, comic book movies are, are the big spectacle. Now there's a bunch of them that come out during the summer. We would thought, we thought it'd be interesting to kick summer off by talking about comic book movies that bombed. Mm. I get to pick the first one and it's near and dear to my heart. It's one of the early Marvel films. I'm going to be totally honest, Brad, let's just share our picks for this month. My two picks are two. I'm a Marvel fanboy, um, and I loved these films when they came out because I was so excited to see these characters come to the big screen. But they didn't do so hot. And uh, the two movies we're going to talk about, starting with next week, 
we are going to talk about Howard the Duck. Yes, that one. And Which then, is Marvel, but it's also subversive, comic, uh, yes. political, and, and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. It, that's going to be a fun discussion. And then the second movie I'm going to pick for this month is the one and only Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. Nice. Yeah, 1989. Yes, my Punisher. I don't, I don't recognize anybody else but Dolph Lundgren. That's the one where you get to see uh, Dolph Lundgren's coin purse. That's right. <laughs> so excited. Brad, what what two comic book <laughs> movies are you picking for this month? Okay, you can't say coin purse and then come straight to me. Uh, oh, okay. yes, I can, and I did. Ooh, okay, uh, <laughs> I picked uh, Spawn, and then I picked Fantastic Four from 2015. That's Ooh. the that's the uh, Josh. That one, Josh uh, Crank. Is it not Crank? Um, Miles Teller's in it, so we're going to talk yeah, about Miles him. Yeah, Miles Teller's in there. Um, I'm back for Spawn, correct? Yes. Yes, you are. Okay, good. Yeah, that, that'll that be a fun one. It's uh, Josh Trank. Not Trank. 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 Yeah, yes. he, did, he did Chronicle. Yes. Yes, okay. And I, Which I'm, was my wife and I, that was our first date. We went to see, well, like our first real, real date was Chronicle in the theater. Yeah, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to watch all the Fantastic Four movies because I love Marvel's first family. So we're going back to the Roger Corman stuff and going wow. through them all. Wow. Yeah, I'm doing them all that week. Brad may not, but. You're going to get that uh, never released. Uh, do you have that? I have it on released? Blu-ray. Yep. There's a good documentary on it, too. Called yeah, Doomed. Doomed, Doomed is yeah. really good. It's really good. The Corman, yeah. uh, the Corman film? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, the documentary is great. Yeah, it's a great uh, piece to go with it. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's Actually, what we're doing those, in June. The, those two early Fantastic Four movies aren't that bad. Oh, Sammy. Oh, Sammy. <laughs> Watch um, that Rise of the Silver Surfer again, Sammy. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Sammy on it. I, I like those I kinda, two. I kind of dug that one. Yeah. I, 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 I got to be honest. I never watched the Josh Trank one. Maybe I'll check it out. I will like it. So I don't know. I'll check it out. Yeah, we're, we're going to see. But we're, we're kicking it off next week with Howard the Duck. Um, we're trying to get our good friend John, um, our comic book expert on the show, uh, we may have a couple of other surprises during the month as well. We're working on some things, but yeah, that's, that's where we're headed. It's going to be a lot of fun. My voice should be back to normal um, by that episode, but um, yeah, Sammy, what's going on at the GGTMC? I think it's funny that you just recently did a film looking for Mr. Good bar, <clears throat> excuse me, good bar, which is yeah. the only movie that my dad ever took me out of the theater to see at age five because he didn't know what it was. So I still have yet to see it, but that God bless your father, man. That episode was a lot of fun. And, and you now he was, at least he was wise enough to be like, Oh, okay, Troy, come on. We got to go. Yeah. He's like, we got, we got to play that new Atari. We just bought from Sears. Um, Not my, not my parents. They were like, yeah, just go down there in the front and play with the kids down there. But yeah, you, you guys have cigarettes, go smoke. Yeah. (laughs) You guys have had a a string of amazing films. You've, you've talked about Jackie Chan, Dario Gento. Um, God, what, what, what else some of the heavy hitters, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we got some fun stuff coming up. We unfortunately some of the next the next two films we'll be covering are because of losses we've had recently. Fred Ward, so Tom Ryder, oh, Funky Monkey, <laughs> not Funky Monkey. <laughs> Tom Ryder, we recorded last night. Uh, that'll be out next week, and then uh, the week after that, we're doing uh, No Escape, the uh, Ray Liotta sort of action film that they tried to push Ray Liotta a little bit. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, but unfortunately, it'll be a tinge of sadness because yeah. you know we lost two really cool actors. It's been a rough year, man. Yeah. 
one of them more unexpectedly than the other, but certainly neither one. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, you never want to lose anybody. So the older I get, the harder those things hit. Absolutely. So. Well, yeah, head over to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I think the current episode is on champagne and bullets. Look, we're yeah. not even going to tell you what that's about. I just got to tell you it's an awesome movie. I think Sammy, I had no idea what that movie's about, but Sammy made me buy the Blu-ray. And yeah, now Troy that told me he's like, it looked like garbage. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is garbage, but you gotta, you gotta buy it either way. Cause it's a unique garbage. <laughs> I have shown that movie to so many people and they have just lost their mind. They love it. Yeah. That guy does not blink. Yeah. It's God. That movie's classic. Um, but thank, I know you're busy, Sammy. Thank you so much for, um, oh, no, no, no. I love doing this. You know that. Well, and, and thanks for everything you did over the last few weeks, man. You surprised the shit out of me and I love yeah. your family and same to you, Brad. I, I can't thank you enough. We had such a good time, you know, when yeah. everybody was in person, I'll be there. Um, hopefully in the next month or so, maybe Sweet. we can record again. We can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> That yeah. sounded maybe go play beach volleyball. I don't know. We can talk about like Troy did with Top Gun Maverick, that big back end. <laughs> so we're, yeah. we're doing either volleyball or football on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Football has to be offense and defense at the same time, though. I don't know what the fuck. Perfect. That was weird. That that was like, I have no idea what's that's, going on. So, guys, that's how you oh, get no, team. No, oh, no, don't. don't. All right. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any music to play, but if I did, it would be something. I don't it was know. like yakety sax. I would have played winger probably for that. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got music if you want, like, something. No, no. We we can go back to something a little bit more patriotic. No? Okay. (laughs) We've we've had enough. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Come back next week. We're going to kick off our comic book month with Howard the Duck. Thanks for listening. Go out and see Top Gun Maverick. Uh, You know, if you want to press your luck, maybe watch Sky Captain. Watch the trailer, see what you think of it. Uh, but yeah, join us next week and um, we will, I don't know, we'll, we'll be practicing quack food. Is that? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> don't, don't lose your head. 